0: hello there how are you welcome to the podcast sport and life ed draper here sports broadcaster in the uk hope you're well thank you for hitting on the button thank you as ever to the sponsors bang & Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations always point it out but through that sister company serene av not just the premium quality wonderful uh Service offered by Bang Olufsen dispensers. 3NAV can source whatever equipment you're looking for, offer you bespoke solutions. It's worth getting in touch with Jason Briggs and his team, whatever your kind of interest is around home entertainment systems, big screens, whatever it may be. Check out Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham's website and uh, get the contact details there. Housed in the courtyard in Montpellier, in Cheltenham, not far from me. Thank you as well to Cytoplan, C Y T O P L A N food-based supplements so supplements to to enhance our kind of health not necessarily selling themselves as the the be-all and end-all but certainly to complement our good diet good health and fitness regime and, and rest regime and my father dr mark draper who's a nutritionist a general practitioner a former anesthetist doctor as well big believer in them has worked with cytoplan for a number of decades we still buy the products ourselves, but certainly in terms of enhancing what we have in terms of trace elements in his view is key Selenium and zinc, and at this time of year in particular, vitamin D and vitamin D3 to optimize our immunity. If you're living in the Northern Hemisphere, like we are in the UK, when we're heading towards the shortest day in, I guess, around 10 days or so just before Christmas, when it's getting light after 8 a.m., getting dark before 4 p.m., pretty much your window of opportunity to get that vital vitamin D for immunity when we're tethered to desks, be it at home or in the office at the moment in the pandemic then it's, uh, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to get that. So supplementation may be key, particularly at this time of year. But if you want to go to cytoplan.co.uk and if you would like a discount code, it's 30% off your initial purchase and I believe 10% thereon after. So thank you to Cytoplan for that. We um, still purchase Cytoplan supplements and pay uh, with a discount ourselves. So it's certainly a company we believe in and you can get a discount yourselves with the code DRAPER10R. D-R-A-P-E-R-1-0, the numerals, and then R. Now all the letters are capital, so capital D-R-A-P-E-R-1-0, and then the capital letter R. So onto the podcast for today, and it is Danny Sanger, a man of Indian origins, talks about that and how it played into his catalyst into becoming a private consultant coach. He's also a neurolinguistic practitioner as well, um, and someone who works with with celebrities, high-profile people, his subtext of his, his website is designed to help high-performing public-facing professionals. But I think there's a lot that we can all gather from this. And the concept of starting this podcast, Sport and Life, was supposed to explore what sport can inform us about regular life, why we're so fascinated, what about the metaphors are, that are involved there. And one aspect of that is coaching and development practice, getting better. And I think sometimes viewing life as a game or a sport perhaps leads us then to, to explore the concept of, of looking for, for help in that, be it books, be it tapes, cassettes, be it consultation with someone like Danny. I think it's it's important to, to get maybe sometimes a bit of advice, a bit of tips. My father, as I say, was a doctor, but he was very much keen to learn about how to be most efficient in his life and he had the tony robbins tapes i've listened <clears throat> through mentors of, of mine and friends of mine like spencer fear on the boxing promoter through les brown's content and les brown came to to the uk and he's more associated with inspiring african-american people but certainly got some fine metaphors and and tidbits and advice on life that can be used by all of us and i think in that human world and living in the western world the dynamics of it any advice you can get in terms of performance focusing on your work focusing on your family doing all those different components now that, that we all face as men and women in, in modern society and it's intriguing I think to, to maybe explore that concept I think people are more welcome to it now and I think there are sometimes some charlatans out there who will exploit that particularly on social media I think our insecurities for and wanting high sort of instant secrets that kind of stuff I don't think it's about that it's about learning practices and viewing life as a practice so anyway I was fascinated to speak to Danny Sanger who was put in contact with me through a great woman, Am Golar. So I appreciate her helping in in connecting us. And Danny Sangha, fascinating conversation. Appreciate his time. Hope you enjoy this podcast and let me know what you think afterwards. Hello, me again. Before we get to Danny, just a quick uh, explanation that a lot of people call me Teddy Draper in my personal life, which I'm perfectly happy for you to do so, or Danny to do so, which he did because Our Zoom call was connected through my personal email uh, from friends and family, university friends. And I was called Teddy as a kid and then changed to Ed when someone actually made fun of me, called me Teddy Bear at school. So that's a silly backstory, but just to explain why Danny Sanger was calling me Teddy in this uh, episode of the podcast. But here he is, uh, private coaching, consultant, NLP practitioner and coach, Danny Sanger. Danny Sanger welcome to the podcast how are you very well thank you teddy how are you yeah i'm very good i'm very good it's it's um yeah i suppose i I am well i'm I'm still sort of i suppose suffering from this the surreality of of the whole situation but there has been a lot of positives and connecting with someone like yourself and figuring out the technology of of zoom both for my work at sky sports and for the personal (laughs) podcast that i do sport and life has has been one of the the upsides and i feel very grateful for having a family living with people at the moment Um, what are your reflections on the year. How's it, how's it been for you and, and your coaching business?
1: Yeah, sure thing Teddy. And, and I kind of share the same sentiments with you in this respect of having a family. I've got sort of a family of a beautiful wife and three young kids as well. So yeah. very much, uh, grateful for, for having that set up at home when obviously we've all had to kind of go into this lockdown mode and it's, yeah, been a bit of a surreal experience, of course, in terms of uh, what we've all gone through and, as I've kind of had to sort of change up my business model as well. It's you know, with what I do with my clients it's very personable and it's very kind of discreet and most of it does happen face to face in a discreet setting. And that's obviously had to sort of shift dramatically to being all virtual. So that in itself was a bit of a, not necessarily from from my perspective, but certainly from my client's perspectives of having to work in that virtual context instead. So uh, it's been an interesting one. And then obviously the specifics Mm -hmm. of helping them to adapt within their day-to-day lives and obviously the the various issues that then start to surface or existing issues that become a bit more difficult to to handle with all of the, the pandemic stuff layered over the top of that.
0: Mm. Yeah, you mentioned the, the discrete aspect of it. And I suppose you require to operate fully to get the best out of your client a connection. Has it been more challenging to find that, that connection without being in the room with someone? What, what have you made of that? Because for me, interviewing people, it's been liberating in the sense that for Sky Sports, I've been interviewing MMA fighters and boxers in the, in the States, which is fantastic. But then when you're interviewing someone who's a mile away on Zoom, it feels, it feels strange that you're kind of getting a second, a second class kind of experience. What, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of the experience, it's it's obviously definitely different. And there is from the type of work that I do, it is, you know, there's that element of the aura and the energy that you pick up on when you are there face to face in the same room mm. and in terms of just creating that environment and safe environment. But for me, fortunately with my existing clients, we've gone through that journey already. So that process has already been established and, and we've achieved that particular outcome. So switching it over to zoom has actually not caused any real disruption to being able to continue those dialogues Mm. uh, within a slightly different setting
0: Mm. yeah it's interesting because my my father's a a gp doctor and actually my brother is as well and they are they are going in now and doing face-to-face consultations but i think for a while it was it was predominantly phone calls and that was challenging for them my dad said that a lot of your reads as a doctor are based on your sort of picking up Sort of uh, body language and, and sort of tone and, and how people's skin looks and things like that, which can be difficult from, a, from afar. How would you describe exactly what, what your role is, Danny, in terms of um, job title and, and, and how you, you help people? Because coach is a, is a good, good term, is it? I mean, this is a podcast called Sport and Life. I've always tried to thread the two together. And I think you're effectively employing some sort of coaching philosophies, maybe that the people most keenly see or most regularly see in the sporting arena.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure thing, Teddy. So, yeah. um, And and in this particular arena, I guess it's sort of more important to just hone in and be more specific with the term coach, because obviously from a sporting Mm. perspective, you know, the coach coaching role is very much that physical hands on role specifically around um, training and and coaching from the physical side of things. So I work as a clarity, alignment and confidence coach. which is very much more around the positive mindset that we all require to just continue remaining successful or else to just overcome whatever hurdles that life naturally will throw our way. And I work specifically within that space of high-end individuals in the sense that they're celebrity figures in the TV or media space. And Mm. then through, Across into the sporting world as well, and then further on into sort of serving quite highly prominent business and political figures as well
0: start yeah that 's interesting. I noticed on your website the three the three aspects of it: clarity, alignment, and confidence, starting with clarity, I suppose that 's been more challenging this year with with a lot of uh, noise and a lot of fear bouncing around as well. What, how would you define clarity in everyday life, and do you feel that modern life has become more difficult to re- retain a sense of clarity i'm thinking of all the, the multitude of distractions that we have at our disposal now
1: yeah 100% it, it is is it, we've got so much information swimming around lots of everything going on around us from our specific day-to-day lives and you know our hands-on sort of the family setting the work environment then you've got your social media and your devices and all the information that you're bombarded with. And so Mm. absolutely um, that sense of clarity is, is effectively sort of getting clouded with all of that noise and information overload. And that does create that level of overwhelm and anxiety. And, you know, it doesn't take long before you start to feel frustrated and start to have those feelings of anxiety to some extent, which, um, you yeah, know become more prevalent if you don't do something about it before it becomes a bigger issue to try and deal with later on
0: yeah they always say the first step to solving an issue is acknowledging it and actually my wife has acknowledged it with me or, or kind of draw my attention to it that I was perpetually distracted at times when you're you've got these these multitude of, of, of sort of mediums of communication now where you're getting messages on whatsapp you're getting messages on instagram you're getting messages on text message you're getting phone calls and actually, in that s- continual cycle of, of connection and busyness, you lose, you lose an ability to be creative and to actually concentrate on what you're doing, don't you, to a certain extent. And I, I think I will reflect on it as I've been quite disciplined. I played semi-professional football, not to a high level, but I, I went to a sports university and I felt disciplined yeah. around exercise. But what I've realized is I'm really ill-disciplined or have been with the smartphone. It's been a whole new thing that's that's yeah. crept up on us what what are your tips on that do you find that's a common theme that that we lack discipline in in our, i suppose our digital etiquette
1: yeah 100 percent, definitely Teddy. Totally. because unless we make that conscious effort as you said you, you've kind of it's it's been surfaced it's been brought to your attention um unless you do that you, you're unaware and you know you're just continuously being reactive to mm. what's being thrown your way but when you start to consciously look at that and start to then think about how you can be on better terms with that situation i.e in control of it so it's Mm. on your terms and that's where you then can start to put into place better day-to-day practices with managing that information and you know the practical element is you know having set times of the day where you will just consciously agree with yourself that you know between the window of maybe 6 and 8 p.m in the evening i'm not going to look at my phone i'm actually going to Mm. stick it on charge I'm going to use that time for when I'm actually going to place it on charge um so I avoid having to sort of have it on charge overnight or what have you and it's going to be left in a a room sort of out of sight and out of mind and probably switched on silent because I know if anyone really needs to contact me if it's a real urgency or emergency Mm. that you know there will be other ways of them being able to get hold of me but otherwise the world is not going to come to a standstill or crash Um, for those two hours and it gives me then that complete focus on myself or my family or connecting with my friends or whatever else it is so that you can actually give those other elements of your life a bit more of a a quality uh, focus and you know your your time which otherwise you're you're otherwise just not really doing it justice by trying to juggle and getting distracted every few minutes or you know whatever it might be that in terms of that information overload
0: yeah, and kids can be a good catalyst for that. You say you're a father of three, Danny, and that that can help, can't it? Because they can call you up on these things if you're if you're off with the fairies when you when they want to talk to you.
1: Absolutely, and especially with children. I mean, especially infants. You know, when they sort
0: of that whole kind of uh, image of them
1: just sort of tugging at your ankles, you know, at your mm-hmm. trouser legs, sort of thing. You know, at that sort of really young age, all they really require is just. Three to five minutes of your, you know, that's all they're really looking for. Obviously, in in their infancy, you know, they're not looking to have a conversation with you, obviously, if they're sort of at such an early age. But it is just that acknowledgement and interaction. It could only literally need to be five minutes, but five minutes of undivided quality attention and actually you'll find that you want to continue doing it and they've switched off and they've gone off elsewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they've lost interest and they've gone. That's all they really require. And obviously as they get older, obviously the, the quality and the level of interaction is different. Like my boys are, you know, they're 11, mm. eight and five. So oh, great. they keep, they keep us busy and they obviously require different levels of interaction, you know, based on where they are right now with school and personalities and, and everything else. So you do need to sort of spend and invest that time now and mm. you can't get that time back and if you find you know you're having to juggle spending time with them and still trying to sort of deal with in a reactive way things that get thrown like i say with something that comes up on your phone i'm sure you could leave it for two hours and come yeah. back to it later on on your terms and then completely focused on your phone then um maybe spend literally 10 or 15 minutes working your way through whatever it is posts or whatever it might be that you need to just kind of respond to but that can then be focused upon so you're actually more efficient with what you're doing on your phone so it doesn't you don't find you spend an hour trying to juggle spending time (laughs) with family and doing whatever you need to do on your phone and you find you actually you haven't achieved either of the two
0: yeah yeah you get that broken yeah exactly that's the exact point you get that broken kind of fragmented and even if you've achieved something in terms of the end of the day you just feel stressed out and sort of um discombobulated by the whole thing in terms of uh, a level of, of anxiety i think residual from it and you're right yeah. actually if you reply to something immediately as well I've, i saw a wise thing about this one time and you send an email for example you then are waiting for the response so sometimes it's better to take a beat and actually you then control the pace of the interaction rather than constantly reacting because someone else might be in an office it's their work time so they're they're reacting but it's actually your downtime and we're all living different schedules at the moment in particular with with the lockdown and everything so that's sort of this clarity what what, what's your definition of alignment Danny? So for me, the secret formula
1: really with regards to the whole clarity alignment piece is you've got to really be clear and that's not in your external environment. The starting point really is sort of within yourself as to who you are. And this is very, very important, especially with your sports professionals, uh, which we can obviously come on to in more detail. But it's about having that sense of identity, your purpose and your values and and what you're all about and, and having then your kind of purpose Projected outwards in terms of your goals and where you want to get to in life, because once you 've got that level of clarity, your outside world becomes a lot clearer because you are then focusing in on the bits that matter you 'll make the decisions that you need to make towards that sort of set destination and in alignment and in tune with you know what you 're all about because you 've gone yes. through that process of understanding what you're about so that's the whole sort of clarity and alignment piece. So you end up sort of swimming in tune to your own um, song, if you like. So mm. that's kind of um, probably didn't use the right analogy of swimming, but, you know, <laughs> singing to, 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 you know, in alignment to your own tune, basically. Yeah. And um, that in itself then becomes uh, as an equation, clarity plus alignment equals confidence. You know, wow. that, that's in essence what it is in its most simplistic form.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. So alignment, would you ex- externalise goals? Is that part of that that process? Or is it more about defining what's important to you? Because sometimes I suppose in society, we, we kind of take on goals from our parents or from the media, and maybe we don't truly believe in them, do we? In, in terms of what we want to achieve?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's very much about just getting yourself right first. The goals will then come as a secondary process. So they need to be in alignment with what it is. There's no point setting a goal, which is totally out of tune. It's been set by someone else. It's not really anything meaningful for yourself, or you just don't have that sort of purpose and passion towards it. So it's got to start with sort of working out what your passions are and, and what you're about and where you want to sort of get to as part of your own journey. And then you set your goals specifically that then, you know, they are in alignment with exactly what you're about
0: yeah how important are principles Danny because I think sometimes particularly say for example in even my line of work working as a sports presenter opportunities may come up under in certain countries or regimes which you you sort of feel they're doing being done for commercial reasons but actually you're not fully believing in, and happy with the way things are are lived in a certain part of the world and that that's entirely you know that's for that part of the world to, to decide what, where they go. But I actually think sometimes, you know, as a father, I've struggled with that because I think, well, if my daughter was living in certain countries, she wouldn't have certain opportunities. Should I go and in effect be part of a shop window effect for that culture? And it's a complex one, but do you feel that principles guide us because particularly as you navigate, you're navigating a world with celebrities, I suppose, where they'll get things thrown at them, endorsement opportunities, but there has to be something that, that they use as a barometer to choose what they pursue, I suppose.
1: Uh, yes definitely Teddy. i think um having its set of principles and kind of remaining um integral to them is is very important because that is again that sense of alignment um you know if you stay true to to what you feel is is your belief system and your values and those principles that then underpin uh those values then you know you, you there's not much you will ever get wrong you know mm. you you' you'll be coming from from a place of of confidence and you know a place of where you 've got solid foundation and I think it's important to you know with your day to day decisions and what you get yourself involved in that all of those activities remain aligned with those principles um I'll give you an example of, mm. of a very different example my my son Uh, my oldest son mentioned to to us yesterday that there was an incident that that happened at school he's got a sort of two relatively good friends but one sort of wasn't so nice to the other one and Mm -hmm. kind of the other one went off quite upset and my son um, I'm proud of him he mentioned to to the other one that that was just not on and yeah uh, you know that's not right now he could have quite quickly have actually, because it's, a, you know, that social pressure and what have you, especially at such a young age, mm. um, he could have quite easily have just not bothered saying anything and just pretended maybe he didn't notice it or just carried on. And mm. he didn't, he, he kind of spoke up about it You know, didn't get confrontational about it, but just made a point of, Hey, that, that wasn't nice. I, I don't agree with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's amazing because you, you have all of that kind of already as you kind of start out early on in life as well. And it's, it's, you know, obviously it evolves and you just need to continue operating that way. I think if you wanna kind of sustain your successes and, and sort of be true to who you
0: are. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's about taking a pause, isn't it? And actually thinking, because that's a really interesting example because my daughter goes to a primary school. She's now in the first year, obviously it's been slightly fragmented by the, the pandemic, but she had a moment she's got a special sticker or reward or or notification because she went up to a girl who was on her own in the playground and started playing with her and the teachers picked up on it and they have a mantra uh, a slogan a motto at the primary school always be kind and it it struck me actually when I was thinking about that that actually the world would seem clearer that the concept of right and wrong then and you do like you say the the waters get get muddied as, as you go through don't they and I suppose that's all part of of that alignment process is, is just remembering that and, and taking a moment. The clarity maybe leads to the alignment as well.
1: Yeah, definitely Teddy. I mean, as you said there, you know, life kind of, it takes us to a, a different place as we get older and, you know, we will be swimming amongst all sorts of different options and and, and avenues. And, and we kind of often do get lost amongst all of that. And I think mm. just you have to keep checking back in with your purpose your principles and what you're about where you're to head to because otherwise you're effectively just letting yourself sort of go with the flow and and before you know it you're completely where you didn't want to be in a few years down the line and you sort of then question okay where have I ended up and and why (laughs) and, and you know what what silly decisions I made you know and all of that sort of stuff and that's just it can happen if you don't make that conscious effort of checking back in from time to time you know having set rituals in place i don't like to call them routines because routines sounds like it's it's kind of a chore or it's Mm. it's, it's onerous but actually rituals is is a better way to put it because you will enjoy doing these uh, these these specific activities of checking back in um you know with your goals with with what you're about who you are and just using that sort of reflective process on a regular basis to ensure you know you are on the right road Mm. and you've still got a, a decent amount of fuel in the tank and, you know, your destination is still in sight and, you know, you, you are definitely um, driving the car uh, as required as well, based on the road conditions and the speed restrictions, et cetera. Mm. You've got to keep an eye on all of those things regularly. Otherwise you'll find you're either, You've ended up on a diversion, and you've ended up sort of heading in the opposite direction to where you were meant to. Or, you know, you're going faster than you know, the speed has sort of reduced down further in terms of the the restrictions, and you've continued at the speed you are, and you haven't adjusted accordingly.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. Just be aware I and mean, be aware of of what's happening around you, and, and take note because, as you say, life can move really fast, and then years can disappear with, that, with with you sort of drifting in a sense or on a treadmill. It's it's important to just take those times to to reflect on, on what you're doing and, and, and how you feel about what you're doing as well. And um, yes, it's, it's a key one. I'm fascinated by your take on confidence as well, because I look at confidence and almost situationally specific where you have a level of competence, you, f- you feel confident. And I suppose going back to a sporting analogy, you may work with sports pros who are say a footballer would be fantastically confident being in football, but maybe not. So if he was asked to play netball, is there a general sense of confidence that people can have? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's it's a deeper level of confidence, which isn't sort of dependent upon any particular activity. Yes, of course, there's those specifics where you build up a a specific confidence in your abilities in in a particular sport or whatever profession you may follow. But you've you've ultimately got to have that deeper sense of confidence that, um, and and my philosophy, and it's, it's based on a lot of study as well as sort of the spirituality side of things. But we, have come into this world we enter this world with a pot full of confidence it's Mm. it's, yeah we are already entering the world with all the confidence we need to deal with with the world and Mm. and life that that we all kind of um, journey through and unfortunately over time the incidences or um, scenarios that we navigate through will often start to create layers over the top of that pot of confidence that's inside us and that confidence can often then start to become more difficult to access. And actually to the extent that it becomes not even visible anymore. And yeah. it doesn't matter what other activities you might be sort of engaging in or what other sort of unexpected things life throws at you, you you have that vessel inside you. That's just not being accessible um, to mm. you. You don't even realize it's even there anymore. And until you start stripping back those layers and doing some specific work to get, Back to that that part of, of um, confidence, and then start to literally pour from it, and mm. it's it's a limitless uh, supply of it that you've got. It's just accessing it um, and just trusting that you already had it, and there's no external validation that you really require to sort of build that confidence. It's about just keeping aware of the fact that you've got it and staying in tune with it, and then Ye- not allowing these these layers to kind of um, fold over the top.
0: Yeah, I'm co- I'm cognizant that people may not be parents listening to this, so they may not relate to it, but it has been illuminating for me becoming a father and again, watching kids because, you know, there is a sense that w- when you get to a certain stage in life, you can settle into a role, even for a role like me, I'm presenter at Sky Sports News, but it's the same studio. It's the same office space. It's the same thing where you actually start to think, okay, this is me. This is what I do. And certain things are beyond my limitations. I won't, I won't try and do that. And actually you realize when you have a have a child you think they constantly have to test their boundaries every day they have to like you say have some sort of innate confidence and and a sort of readiness to learn about them if you if you notice that is that is that just a kind of readiness to feel uncomfortable to fail seems to be a big part of the approach to, to to achieving confidence or feeling confident in the first place I'm not sure which way around that is
1: yeah um for for me it's it's the the starting point is you've already got the confidence you need and uh, and actually um children are a great example to reinforce and actually back up that that um understanding and and science actually and that is i mean take a a baby that's learning to crawl and then starts to sort of learn to walk you don't find that the baby's hesitant to try and walk or then to sort of give up after it's fallen over a couple of times right it continues to do it it's it's only later on when you start to observe the world around you and you start to sort of think like okay so x plus y must equal z because that's all i've ever seen mm-hmm. and you start to sort of ingrain a different understanding or a, a, a skewed understanding of the world and that then starts to bring in its own sort of sets of limiting beliefs and that fear of failure and maybe even just forget the fear of failure you don't even contemplate even trying something out because you've mm. got these 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 rubbish beliefs that have been adopted through your experiences where oh i'm just too old or i'm not mm. not old enough or you know i couldn't possibly do this because i've you know come from a particular background or whatever it might be so you know these things are the layers i talk about when it comes to um you know hiding and sort of almost smothering that part of confidence that you've already got inside you
0: yeah no that's re- that's really interesting actually that that sense of um, feeling uncomfortable leads to the growth just pushing yourself in a bit as you say it doesn't necessarily have to be attritional you can have that that sense of joy about it where does aptitude play into that though Danny when you're advising clients because I suppose we can bring in a state of confidence into the world but I don't think I'd ever be a plumber or carpenter because <laughs> I don't seem to have the raw the raw ingredients no matter how much I would practice in, in that arena is that partly just figuring out where, where your path lies according to maybe the, the slight differences we have in, in our skills and aptitudes. Where do you see that?
1: No, I think it kind of all goes back down, uh, back to your kind of values and your beliefs and your sense of purpose. You know, where mm-hmm. do you want to take, take your journey? Because, you know, as you said, in terms of you know, plumbing and what have you, that, that might not be your thing, but then there's someone out there for them to, that is something they're very passionate about and they want to be the best plumber in the world. You know mm. and 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 then that's what they strive to to become and it's it's you know the the skills come as a as a secondary uh, element to the process because if you've then first got the sorry if you've first got the um the passion and the drive and that sense of purpose, then you'll pick up those skills you'll work as hard as you need to to continue mm. and and if you've got a strong enough sense of values and purpose around that then it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down you're going to keep trying because you'll trust the process and every time you do fall over or have setbacks you realize after several setbacks that each time you're actually getting that much better improving etc so it's literally just a matter of time before eventually um you know you're going to to get to that point that you need to that that serves your purpose and you know in sports it's was it, it is Michael Jordan that talks about mm. the the thousands or millions of, 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 of uh, shots jump, he's, jump he's shots, made yeah. which have been failed right and it's, it's those that have then made it you know made him you know without them he wouldn't have the perfect shot so yeah. you know and it's that whole process he's kept trying and obviously um slowly incrementally he's improved he's seeing the improvements and he's carrying on he's not giving up after a certain time you know he's, he's seeing the slight difference of an improvement from one shot to the next and doing that day in day out
0: yeah practice and repetition do you find that sports people that you've worked with find that easier do they find it easy to adopt those principles in everyday life because they've had it honed into them and did you see any difference between maybe team sports people and people who are individual Sports people, I work with boxers and MMA people, and they often talk about how the discipline of, of their sport and the, the individual responsibility of their sport has helped them in in everyday life.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I guess yes, it's definitely a different sort of um, approach to it because of the, the team dynamics in itself. You've almost got others that you're accountable to, which helps in terms of that driver and sort of staying sort of stuck into something and mm. sort of delivering because you are part of a team. But even in that same sense, you're still on your own individual journey. Even as a footballer, you're still looking to sort of rise and sort of move on through the clubs. And yeah, that to some extent is your own personal journey whilst then still playing within a team dynamic and, and sort of working and, and supporting the team mm-hmm. around you. Um, but yeah, it it is very much, I think, that, that ethic you've got to have about... And it's easily adoptable for someone who's known nothing else apart from a, a particular sport that they've been introduced to at a very young age. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're almost ingrained with that very, very early on. And you've already got that sense of passion for something that you will just keep sticking at it. And you you've already developed that understanding that the practice is required. The practice makes you that much better week on week, the games that you're playing on the Sundays, are, you know, you're performing that much better. Yeah. You go through that experience of, Some Sundays you just haven't done so well and you you don't give up. You're expected to still turn up the following Sunday and just to learn from what happened the previous game and what you could have done better, whether it's the prep beforehand or something specific within the game that you just have that sort of second attempt and you just continue Mm. that process. That's that's the journey that you you just don't know any different because that's what you, literally from as young as maybe five or six years old in the case of footballers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's about conscious practice as well, isn't it? Like sometimes we can do everyday tasks and just keep doing them in a sort of autopilot state, but then you think can I, can I improve the way that I vacuum? Can I, you know, I've learned to skip during lockdown because I've worked with a lot of boxers and they've always said skipping's a great exercise, but I was completely malcoordinated at it, but I've sort of worked on that and just that con- that conscious it sounds silly, but that conscious thing of learning something is is actually It's a good metaphor for life, isn't it? Because whatever job we do, if we're aware of it, we can get those marginal gains of of how we approach it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll probably have to take some notes from you on the skipping front. Um, (laughs) I'm a terrible skipper. Um, Yeah. It's funny, you get better, you get better if you just keep doing it. You know, I'm not going to be a world international level skipper, but you do get a bit more coordinated and fluent, which is good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I I live and breathe this stuff. And it it is that whole stress and rest philosophy as well, which I incorporate within not just the physical side of things, but even sort of in terms of challenging yourself and growing in terms of knowledge and mindset confidence as well is, you know, pushing those boundaries, as you mentioned earlier. And I, I mean, I'll give you my journey um, just during lockdown, similar mm-hmm. to yours to some extent in terms of skipping. I have started a bit of a gym routine with the extra time I've had with it where I'm not commuting as much. And um, I've gone from sort of deadlifting, sort of a one rep, 140 kilo uh, weight, yeah. Um Six months ago, and today I hit my p b in the morning at six o'clock this morning and and managed two hundred kilos on a wow. so and that 's just that whole process of week on week just turning up and adding maybe just an extra one and a quarter kilo plate mm. either end of the barbell and sort of going through the motions and there 's been weeks where actually it's, it' i haven 't lifted as much as I normally would do, and it 's just a case of at least I turned up. And Mm. I can learn from it. I didn't sleep so well. I could have done something else, but so that conscious effort of thinking through what it is you're trying to achieve and then doing the reflection as well, so that you can sort of see what went well, what didn't go so well. And this for me, within sort of my financial services background, which I've had sort of 15 to 20 years worth of, Mm. these these sort of practices are there prevalent within a project setting where you look to try and improve the performance of individuals in that sort of sort of commercial or corporate environment and it's constantly reflecting back on uh, previous achievements and where there's room for improvement because there's always room for improvement Mm. and sort of aligning your next set of goals so that they sort of adopt and incorporate those areas of improvement.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that, doing that, the deadlift or doing the skipping in my case can, can inform the, your general sense of confidence, I suppose, which you were talking about before. I'm, I'm intrigued because I know you have to be discreet with your clients, obviously, and can't divulge too many of the, the intimate details or names. But when you work with celebrities, is there a common denominator? Are they more disciplined? Are they more able to access confidence? What's your take on it? Or, or are they people who are just just more industrious? um it's from my experiences um
1: it is very much that ultimately they are all human beings obviously and it's unfortunately i have to say that because it isn't obvious uh unfortunately we we get to see a very perfect polished image through the media uh more often than not of, of these types of personalities so everything appears very perfect in their world and it's far from it it takes a lot of effort it takes practice and it does take so having systems and processes in place to make their day-to-day lives smooth and efficient as possible. Um, you know, the common denominator in, in, in what they they they're doing is just having those processes in place, just working efficiently, having some rituals as well. Um, those that are successful and sustain that success is down to those sort of key rituals that they will have in place. They are sort of managing their time. They're managing themselves and their priorities. They are in alignment with themselves and their purpose and values. Mm. So on a day-to-day basis, they are effectively, um, you know, working swimmingly and seemingly effortlessly through their day. It looks like it's sort of a, an easy process for them, but it's because of all of the hard work that they've done to build up these processes and rituals and, you know incrementally improved over time and continue to keep tweaking them and they are as i say human beings and they do have challenges specific ones as mm. well to them because of the world in which they operate they do have a much sort of more hectic lifestyle um, or even just day to day work schedule that 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 means that they just have to work harder to kind of keep every all the uh, plates spinning as uh so yeah. to speak but also they've got this public spotlight that they're always under the scrutiny of. So Mm. that in itself, the specific issues, anxieties, or, or stresses that come as a result of constantly being under that public spotlight. And then there's just the everyday challenges that we all get, which for them are harder to work on because most of us will have that luxury of dealing with things behind closed doors and, what I find with the real, true celebrity figures in TV and media, those individuals don't have that luxury to some extent. Their their private life isn't is mm. practically public as well, unfortunately. Whereas your higher end, sort of in terms of ultra business. high net worth business and political figures, they're especially the more established ones. You know, multi generations of of wealth and what have you. They they've got established practices and they're not so prevalent in the public spotlight. So. Yeah they do have a little bit of luxury to just put things into place where they can sort of escape and live a very private life and very discreet life where yeah, your, your TV personalities, unfortunately don't have that, that luxury.
0: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That, the, that, the public versus um, your private and actually your drivers, because oftentimes people who may be celebrities have a, a desire to, to impress, to get attention, to perform. And then there's the, the negative side of it, which is often judgment, an opinion what's your reflections on that because I suppose in a sense we can all identify with that in the modern world because we're on social media there's a lot of judgment being bandied out in a sense people a lot of people certainly there are some people who live still private lives but a lot of people are more public what's your your take on other people's opinions and and how you process them because there can be sometimes grains of, of valuable feedback can't there whereas but, you, but it can threaten your core if, if someone comes in and, and says something completely uh, counter to you or, or negative. Yeah definitely and this is very much the specifics of, of
1: as I described there of you know what's prevalent amongst these particular types of profiled individuals with regards to the, the issues and challenges they have in that respect um, and very much then the type of work I do predominantly is in that particular arena of um, confidence and sort of ensuring that they are comfortable and confident within themselves and have that sense of clarity and again being aligned with that so come what may from the external environment and that holds true for all of us but it's obviously just that much more of a, um, a challenge when you're you know I've maybe got a hundred or so followers on a recently new Instagram account that I've set up for myself versus those that've got millions of followers right yeah so there is a there is a difference in terms of the amount of exposure but we all have a public exposure regardless mm. from the moment we walk out of our front doors uh, in terms of the interactions we have with others around us and we all have to some extent an internal dialogue that runs about what might happen if you embarrass yourself or some you know that, that kind of feeling of something going wrong and you know yeah it is that much more stressful for them so as much as they look and seem very confident on screen they then um ironically it's, it's behind closed doors that they have those anxieties and worries and then when things have gone wrong unfortunately it, 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 you know the public reactions that they receive don't help and this is where i've really there's a bit of a backstory for, for why I got into coaching, but Mm. there's that internal dialogue, which is, you know, unhelpful and self-talk, which leads certain individuals to then, unfortunately, and I'll use Caroline Flack, for example, because of a a relatively recent example where, you know, to that extreme, they give up on life. So it, 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 and it's a real sad state of affairs for for, for that to, to happen and for one to, they don't allow it to to happen to themselves they don't realize it just comes up and without that level of confidence you allow that self-talk to convince you that you aren't good Mm. enough and start to have you second guessing yourself and your own purpose values and your value itself Mm. your actual self-value to the point where yeah you feel worthless and you don't want to sort of carry on anymore
0: yeah your value has to be separate from your professional entity doesn't it as a, a tv personality or whatever it might be and in a similar way that if you sold vacuums if your vacuum wasn't a great vacuum cleaner i keep using vacuuming i don't know why i've got it on the mind i've probably got to do it later uh, but you, you you wouldn't necessarily internalize it if your vacuum kept breaking down it wouldn't be something to it but the lines are sort of maybe more blurred for people in the public eye because there's a sense of it's you it's personal and i think it's it's, it's accepting opinion and feedback and In gatekeepers in all our lives and jobs, there's people who can can give us promotions, can give us opportunities, and in a sense, we listen to their feedback. But it's for me, it's always been because some people think you're a good presenter, some people think you're a bad presenter. It's very subjective. But actually, if they offer you tangible things, you can then process, try and process intellectually, not emotionally, and think, is that something I can take on board? Is it not? Is it just they simply aren't a big fan of mine, or, or whatever it might be? There's a sort of a filter that you have to put things through. Is that sort of how these people approach approach feedback if they can do it in a healthy way and retain that that core confidence
1: absolutely yeah so having that core confidence and just understanding that confidence to begin with who, who you are your self-identity and and purpose that needs to be there as your reference point so you can keep reverting back to that and so as much as whatever the external environment throws at you and maybe has you questioning yourself for just a short moment you've got your clarity there of who you are and what you're about to very quickly then sort of use that filtering process if you like to say no I know I'm not about that that's not me you know Mm. it doesn't matter if I get hit by a thousand people on social media saying the same thing I'm going to take it for what it actually is and that's Mm. they don't have a clue about who I am I I do and that's the only real importance here is I've got enough of a clue of who I am and what I'm about that I'm not relying upon others to tell me and then for me to second guess myself and where those people are telling me negative stuff about me that I'm going to start to believe exactly that dialogue or or story so I I, you know that's very very important and the filters themselves absolutely so you will have those that will critique and it's in a constructive way and you can take it in that way and as you say mm. you know from an intellectual perspective you use that to help grow and improve but what doesn't help I guess with you know, your prominent and this is the case even with you know football stars so I've had a couple of quite prominent footballers who have had struggles because of some of the reactions they've had from from the crowds and yeah. it, you know it, it, it doesn't help when the masses sort of cl- you know they clutch hold on to something which Probably ultimately they know isn't true but then they yeah a big noise about and what we forget to realize is these guys are human and mm. these things affect you know as much as they might look polished and and you know a load of armor you know that that appears when they're on screen or on pitch they are still human beings at, at home in their own and even on pitch they're human beings anyway regardless yeah. but it's the fact that behind closed doors these things are gonna sort of affect them so do Mm. we really need to be jumping on a bandwagon and kind of providing unhelpful commentary which is just it's a form of bullying to some extent yeah
0: and it doesn't feel good to be judgmental does it i don't think i don't know if you find that, danny that if you're judgmental it makes me feel more insecure often if i make comments about other people because i almost fear that backlash coming back at me and it makes you less inclined to do things i feel if you if you engage in that sort of that weak behaviour sometimes that we we sometimes attempted to do, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I think it it happens when you get sucked into it because it's quite prevalent and you've you've not really given it that conscious thought of hold on a minute, you know, uh, this is not what I'm about. Going back to the example of my son, for example, you know, he was quite sort of clear about his values and and, and principles, so he quite quickly, you know made a statement that was aligned with you know what he believes and where it's wrong it's wrong he didn't sort of participate and get you know himself involved in the wrong way so it's just about having that sort of clarity and then just making Mm. sure yeah you don't find yourself getting sucked into something and realize actually that was a real stupid thing to do and um you know because you just
0: got sucked into that environment because you happen to be right in the middle of it yeah, elite level football can be a complex one for people's egos and confidence, I suppose, in a sense, because you can have deep squads now whereby you may have, for example, two left backs who are very comparable statistically and objectively, but you'll have a head manager, head coach who will be making selection decisions. You may just favour one for some intangible reason if, if on paper they're very similarly qualified players. That's something where I suppose you again take sense of what can you ask the coach for in terms of a a, a sort of discernible thing and perhaps you have to accept in a way if he just prefers the other player yeah part of
1: one of the key elements of my programs that I work on a one-to-one basis with my clients is to get to an understanding of psychometrics as well so it's that whole kind of values and what have you as a Mm. separate um, activity but then just your psychometrics your own behavioral profile how you communicate and behave based on your own sort of conditioning and what have you some of us are quite dominant figures and we're very quick in terms of our um, communication style fast-paced conversation very focused on sort of goals and and winning Mm -hmm. and what have you others are very safe and steady and like to take things slower and just make sure everyone else is sort of safe and steady and move sort of more incrementally and there's no right or wrong here but it's just the problems happen when there's that disconnect between two different personalities and therefore you start to then misread one another and you don't get to get uh, that understanding of actually they've just got a different communication style and The other person is none the wiser, but going through my program with my clients, my clients get very clear about what their psychometrics are. And because Mm. they get clear on themselves, they start to look at others around them and think, okay, yeah, well, that person's definitely not the same as me. And now I understand why we disconnect. I need to adopt a slightly different communication myself to be able to then get that feedback I'm looking for, from my coach. You know, otherwise up until now, I'm just interpreting that he's favoring the other person, but it's because, because of my communication style, the coach just is assuming I'm not interested because I'm not so forthcoming (laughs) as, as opposed to the other person. So these these kind of disconnects that really, once you've unlocked them and covered it, it's amazing the kind of results that I get from my clients in terms of immediately Mm. just that sense of almost like a weight lifted off of them because otherwise until then, like I say, these limiting beliefs and false sort of understandings that you otherwise develop in your in your mind of well, the coach doesn't like me, you know, mm. um, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I'm not performing. <laughs> so, you know, you, that whole weight sort of suddenly lifts, and they're in a position then and in the mindset that they can actually do something more constructive to, you know, work towards the solution as opposed to finding that the problem's actually just getting bigger.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It made me think actually when you talk about that in terms of communication styles and what we expect behaviourally from people in the sports media and particularly in sports fans, we often judge coaches and managers based on their, you know, from a distance, their gesticulations or lack of it, their demeanour on the touchline. And actually you think, well, we don't know what they're doing and what their their tactical analysis and what what ideas they're trying to articulate. But if someone's jumping up and down and yelling, it's like they care more about it. Whereas if someone's more cerebral and and composed, perhaps like Roy Hodgson is perhaps... Unstereotypically, an English manager at Crystal Palace. He's not. He's not jumping up and down, tub thumping. We sometimes think, does he care about it? And there's a lot of superficial things that that we indulge in. I think in the sports media and in fandom, which doesn't actually get to the the grain of, of what people are about. And we can't. We can't know that from from afar. Always. What's it like for you, Dan, in terms of the practical way you consult with people? I'm curious because there may be people who would like to reach out to you. Do you? Is it conversation based now? Obviously, in the in the Zoom era, or is it? That people go away and write things down and, and get clarity. How do you approach the process?
1: It's a combination of of, of of all of that actually. Well, both elements there that you've just described, Teddy. So um, the actual hands-on work we do is the conversations themselves, where I then help to sort of uncover and unpick whatever it might be specifically. That's a blocker or a challenge. It's also then not necessarily directly relative to a particular challenge. Most of what I do ideally would be best um, adopted in a preventative fashion Mm. uh, if it was proactively picked up upon to avoid some of these challenges from from cropping up in the first instance or then when they might do inevitably to be able to just maneuver around them or jump over them a lot more smoother and 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 cleanly um like like in
0: sport like preemptive muscle work to prevent injuries and things like that it's a similar exactly absolutely exactly that but uh, at the same time having to work reactively
1: as well when things do unfortunately crop up so the programs themselves work in both scenarios but obviously the preventative is is always better than the reactive so um the actual specifics is conversational based. There is some work that we do, which is paper-based. You know, I help them to get clear. And a lot of that clarity uh, process is all about getting out of what's in your mind, swimming around that you're so sort of h- struggling to catch in your mind and kind of hold on to long enough to make sense of it before it kind of disappears and something else sort of swims around and kind of comes to the forefront mm. of your mind. So getting that out onto paper, right? It, yeah. It's effectively doing that brain dump, so to speak. And once it's on paper, you can't swim around anymore. It's it's there, <laughs> yeah. it's static and then you can process it. And then it's giving you that focus mm. to just start working on whatever it is. That's just an example in terms of just getting things out onto paper, getting them out of your head. But then there's specific exercises to actually just, for example, prioritizing your day-to-day activities. There's a a mm. paper-based practice to do that. It's called DFT, which I've picked up from my own business coach and mentor as part of his Synegus method, and mm. it's a very powerful way of actually getting all of the stuff that's swimming around in your head, and suddenly going through this process is to then come down to literally the three specific things that you need to get done today, and you just focus in on those, get them done before you move on to the next. Set just of that the three. Thing, that type of thing. Yeah, the process is getting to uh, a granular level that you've got three specific tasks amongst the the, the masses of of items Mm. that have sort of been swimming around in your mind you then make a sense of which one has to come first then you just hone in on that first one get it done move on to the next one then get that one don't try and juggle all three you can't multitask that doesn't work like we've just talked about with sort of spending time with kids versus then trying also to also do something on the phone, mm. it doesn't work. It's a false it's a false sense of um sort of uh Busyness. understanding there. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's things like that. And then there's the practical measures, as I've said, in terms of you know parking your phone or other work that's done in, in a more physical fashion offline between yeah. sessions where then I will catch up with my clients. Uh, between the sessions as well as during the sessions themselves
0: to see how it got on and being at home as well Danny that's a clear that's an important one I think that distillation of ideas onto paper maybe because people at home were in that environment where previously we were in the office whereas now we might think I'll do the washing up or I'll do I'll do you know I'll sort of yeah, I'm not going to mention vacuuming again I'll just just there but you know what I mean <laughs> there's that, that that sense of um you know I'll put laundry on people can get torn a little bit more working from home in this in this sort of current situation we're in yeah, definitely. Uh, you've,
1: you've just got to be, again, I always go, go back back to being clear, you know, you've got your days, you just need to get to that granular level where, you know, you might work on longer term goals that you've set for the future vision. And that's great. And that's very important until you've got that sort of set in your mind, you know, without punching the coordinates in the sat nav, you know, it's never going to tell you where you need to get to. And it's not going to tell you how to get there either, what road you have yeah. to take. So that's very important for for the longer term vision. But then, to get moving you you really just need to know what is the immediate road i need to sort of get onto and do i take a right onto it or do i take a left onto that road you know yeah um so that's the most very immediate specific and that's how i kind of translate that into your day-to-day you just need to get uh, an understanding of what three and i'm not suggesting it's just three things you'd do in the day but in terms of getting that clarity of what are the first three things i need to get done
0: It make you feel progress progressing don't they the big the big things yeah well, it's like, you know, when you're working on a
1: heap uh, of rubbish and you've got to clear it, you know, just staring at it, it's just going to overwhelm you <laughs> and you just feel like you're just not going to sort of achieve it. But if you start just chipping away small sections at a time, start and stop, take away mm-hmm. a small section, go and take a break, then hit the next section, logically, whatever a section makes sense, break, hit it again. And, and, and just going through that one step in front of the other. And before you know it, days have passed, and you've managed to sort of achieve everything mm. that was in alignment with your longer-term goals.
0: Yeah, just keep it moving is, is often the, the case, isn't it? That's, that's that's really good. But like knowing the big the things that you want to feel that you get a sense of movement from, because if you're doing just sort of routine household chores or whatever, when you're trying to get work stuff done, and particularly if you're self-employed and people like that, I think it's. It can be um, more challenging to get that sense of of productivity. How do you approach it, Danny? Do you have to practice what you preach in terms of retaining your your confidence? Because I've always been fascinated by self development. I've listened to a lot of Tony Robbins stuff, a little bit of Les Brown in the states as well. These guys are inspirational talkers, but also not just that they're not just pet rally talkers. They kind of give you tidbits of, of how to approach life. like like you would a sport, like it's coaching. I'm, I'm sort of I, I'm very much accepting of the concept where sometimes people are cynical about the concept of a, a quote unquote life coach. Do you feel that you have to completely sort of reconfirm your values and, and, and why you're doing it, especially when you get maybe face to face on a, a call or in person with a, with a, a big starry celebrity that that may sort of initially kind of shock you a little bit and uh, to put you on your back, back to your heels.
1: Yeah. You have to practice what you preach. Absolutely. And, and by no means am I, perfect and I I, you know I might have the answers or at least the answers that I've come across so far might not have all of the answers uh, uh, Mm. certainly but I'm also only human so you know it's still a journey for me in my world um, and my day-to-day to to kind of keep trying to improve and tweak and this whatever goes on the unexpected um, events that life throws at you so they're all there to sort of have to overcome and it's a journey for me but absolutely you've got to I've got to practice what I preach and that's sort of fundamental to my own personal journey anyway, fundamentally, as well as then incorporating that as sort of at the same time, as not just what I've studied and learned through sort of books and the sciences and the the, the philosophies, but also then just directly, if I've given something a go myself and knowing my particular personality profile, when we talk about psychometrics again, and just, understand, oh yeah so you know i've actually tried to give this a go and it didn't quite work and this is how i've tweaked it that would actually work with a couple of my clients as well you know mm, so mm. that that sort of you know so yeah it's, it's kind of it all sort of swims and fits neatly together yeah uh, you, you have to be
0: confident you're giving them value don't you i suppose is the key is the key thing that you're you're adding to them i suppose from your pers- perspective to keep you engaged and keep your passion up and you confidence confident
1: yeah, hundred percent. I mean, my confidence is more, you know, I, I know what my values are, my purpose. I know why I'm doing exactly this. Um, you know, there's uh, an incident with an uncle of mine, which is sort of my key driver basically as to why I'm, I'm coaching professionally now. Whereas previously I was just, adopting a coaching role within the financial services industry amongst my peers and managers and those that I manage. I was just
0: playing that type of a role and not really doing oh, it to that uh, level of... Unknowingly though, was it Danny? You sort of just, that was your personality type?
1: Yeah, it's my personality. So I've come from a... So my parents were sort of first generation immigrants from India and they sort of came and they were factory workers and I with myself and my brother at the time had to sort of play a bit more of a a responsible role for Mm. my younger brother. We, there were times when we had to unfortunately be left alone to, 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 there's a a window of time where my mum had to sort of leave the home to get to her shift. And my dad hadn't quite got back from his shift. So Mm. I'd have to be only sort of six years of age or something along those lines. If my memory serves me right, then my brother's three years younger. So I had to grow up quite quickly and, my brother um developed type 1 diabetes at an early age as well when i think he was six so wow. i also then played a role in literally back then and then now you've got the novo pen and it's the, 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 mm. the needles are a lot finer and it's all pre-mixed but back then i had to sort of get involved from time to time and you know draw you know the slow acting insulin and the fast acting insulin <sighs> wow. into a syringe and sort of flick the the syringe to get a lot out of the pressure, bubbles, yeah. and then sort of inject my brother um in his thigh or wherever so I I did all of that at such a young age and I just became more and more involved in sort of playing that role. I'd maybe just stick my oar in maybe where it wasn't even required (laughs) or needed or wanted. So I've just always had that earning to caring, yeah, um, help. Just get involved. When I see someone stuck or going through something, I want to reach out. And then I feel because I've been surrounded with quite successful people around me, uh, thankfully, due to my financial services career, um, and the social circle that's developed from there as well so that it's meant that I can actually kind of mm. play out some of what I can see works with others and how I've maybe seen their their failings and knowing sort of what could have worked better and to so leveraging that experience of others and my own experience and sort of sharing that and applying it but it's that deeper level of study that yeah. I took which was about five or six years ago which was more specifically my sense of purpose for why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And it was because of my dad's younger brother who for me was a very sort of big inspiration. He's, um, an, an Indian farmer, mm. um, or was an Indian farmer back home in India in Punjab, Northern part yeah. of India. He's very physically strong first and foremost. And that sort of seems to sort of run through our genes. I mean, I, I did a deadlift. Sounds like that's where I must've got it from. Um, But he was also very mentally strong, very positive mindset. I spent two months during, I think I was 16 at the time, between GCSEs and A-levels, and I spent two months out in India, and he he was more like a brother than than an actual uncle. So he was just a a role model for me. Um, Mm. And he, my cousin, um, got himself into a bit of a mess, his son. So my first cousin. And my uncle took that quite badly, and he took on the guilt and the shame and he was a bit of a personality himself amongst his community the the surrounding villages he was very highly regarded and respected yeah Yeah. and and i mentioned earlier on in terms of that self-dialogue um that everyone plays or can end up playing Mm. for him it had nothing it wasn't his fault nothing to do with him and most of us everyone would know hey not your fault don't worry but he had that internal dialogue now i know what i know i know he had an internal dialogue running through
0: him which was about shame and guilt and is that a problem in indian culture as well danny we sort of hear anecdotally about that That sort of public shaming can be a big thing yes i think it is because i think especially i think as i said before we've all got that public
1: um presence um exposure and i think within an Indian community, even still today, even here in in the UK, for example, because everyone still knows everyone to some extent. Because obviously, with immigrants coming over, you mm. naturally kind of try to come together as a support mechanism to sort of find your feet and to you know get yourself established and feel that sense of security and safety to then you know integrate and, and work with with the the, the less familiar um, parts of of that new world that you've entered. So. Um, you know, with that in mind, then everyone seems to know everyone. And then you have that sort of level of visibility of what you're up to and yeah. what's going on in your life. And it, it then plays out very similar, but obviously not to the same scale as what your celebrities will be playing out with their mm. day-to-day lives. And that's where, for me, with what happened with my uncle, and unfortunately, so he dealt with it by turning to alcohol and over then a the course of a few years, he, he, Um, basically drank himself to death and it's basically a form of suicide and a very messy and and slow journey unfortunately of, Mm. of going down that route and for me that's my sort of purpose now is having gone through that experience personally and seeing that and with all these personalities that I've had around me and seeing sort of what they go through I've kind of unlocked what you wouldn't ordinarily find as being a common kind of theme there but it is it's, it's that internal dialogue and that whole sort of showing face or keeping face yeah. shame and guilt that then can kind of start to develop in the self-talk that convinces you that you've messed up and you're not worth
0: anything and you might as well just give up yeah if your core yeah your core's perforated it's very hard to recover like say, so you can almost sort of um bleed out in a sense like you say like your uncle is that's tragic I'm really sorry to hear that but it's great that you've managed to turn it into a positive and a passion and a pursuit to help people Danny have you got a quick second for a final thought I don't know how your time is are you okay yeah I'm good if you are yeah yeah absolutely you've got you've got a couple of minutes I was just going to ask you your reflections on, on any tips for people at the moment particularly people hear the the cliches control the controllables, uh, focus on on one day at a time as we head into 2021. And hopefully things start to open up with the vaccine in the UK and and various parts of the world. we be at different stages with with that in terms of um, liberating and emerging from the pandemic any tips that you would have? And I know you've got the financial services background, which is probably not a bad acumen to have sometimes with with people you're coaching as well. Is there any sense of any general tips in life or or finance that we should take on board? Should we be frugal at the moment? Should we just focus on on our days today and, and not consume too much news? What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to sort of being a bit more conscious about Sort of what you feed your mind in a very similar way to what you would feed your belly or your mm. body physically in, in the form of food you know your mind is is, is obviously uh, ingesting information all the time so you've got to make a conscious effort as to what you allow yourself to to you know feed off of basically um and news is, is it's important to to sort of know what's going on but you've got to be mindful again a bit like the phone you you you've got to Consciously think about when and how often do you really need to check in on the news and Mm. listen to it, and how different is it really going to be if you've listened to it first thing in the morning and just got the highlights and the gist of what's going on versus then listening to it again at lunchtime and then again in the evening, and then Mm. on your way home on the radio, it's on again and what have you. So, there's that conscious element of just being proactive to choose when you listen to it on your terms and is the the current affairs the most important thing for you or you know maybe there's news in the sporting world that you could sort of flick to so obviously with mm. like BBC News for example and Sky News and what have you on on apps and what have you, you can filter and just sort of hone in on you know just sports news or technology news and other stuff as well yeah. so there's more to news than just the doom and gloom out there so maybe start to sort of think about what you would actually like to to know about because yeah. that's ultimately what it is it should be on your terms what are you interested to know about and just sort of look for times in the day where you just go and carry out that activity and um just one key important learning uh, if you've got time Teddy in terms of, yeah. sort of going forwards then in terms of your day-to-day one thing look and this is something you know I'm going through that journey with my clients as we speak we had a crazy year who would have thought this is how it's going to pan out. And, you know, back in January, February, mm. well, say February, and start, as we started to hear more about what was going on in, in China and started to realize it's going to maybe affect us, all of that sort of anxiety and stress and commotion that it caused. We've been through that journey and we've gone through it to the extent that we've then lived a life in lockdown. Yeah. We've had to sort of, and it, you know, for, for a lot of us, it was messy. But we've gone through that process and if we can consciously, if we haven't done it already, we should consciously think about the bits that have worked very well and elements that haven't worked so well and how you could adjust to make those days work better for you in terms of how you structure the days, how you shift those priorities when you do your laundry versus just logging in and focusing in on work, that kind of thing. You know it's, all, it's always
0: going to be and accept, accepting it to a certain extent isn't it not frustrating and, and sort of trying to rebel against it accept where we are and, and try and plan accordingly well absolutely because
1: as we've just learned so we, we couldn't have resisted what was happening it's it happening we just had to adjust accordingly so it's that adjustment so now we've gone through that journey we should be able to just keep adapting accordingly and just play out those learnings and just make those days work better for us we can if we choose to within the boundaries that have been set upon us just make those days work for us but it does take that active and conscious thought and planning exercise to just look at what this week needs to look like and therefore what does my monday need to look like and tuesday and then go through that. It becomes habitual over time. Trust me. So you have some <laughs> rituals in place. Look after yourself as well. Self-care mm. is very important. It always has been. It always yeah. You mentioned been. sleep.
0: You yeah. mentioned sleep actually at one point, didn't you? Which I think a lot of physical trainers mentioned that as well as being a, the, the key foundation, rest. Yes, 100%. I mean, physically and mentally, it's it's only when
1: you're asleep that you will actually grow from the stresses and strains that have been imposed upon you, whether you chose to impose them through, for example, exercise where you did the extra bicep curl that tore (laughs) the muscle, which is obviously what you were trying to do to grow it. Um, But it's the sleep where you repair, build and repair. Mm. So it's very important to just make sure your day is structured where and and sleep isn't what I would call you time. That's, that's something that just should be happening anyway. But I'm talking about more specific rituals that you can have in place that are sort of your own hobbies and interests and feeding yourself, nurturing yourself through specific exercises or reading a book or whatever it is that just feeds you without you having to be anything for anybody else. So it's Mm. important you have that element of time in your day to day to ensure you keep yourself in check so that then you can be the best version of yourself for you and everyone else around you as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For people, yeah, that's the sort of the the element, the balance between self care and and care for others is is huge and, and striking that balance so that you can perform both roles well and to perform the caring role for others, I think you do need to get the caring role right. And I think we're always beset by the sense that we don't have any time and we're very busy, but I think you're absolutely right. It only takes a few minutes to step aside and to get the clarity we talked about at the start to figure out, you want to do in a day and and get that sense of achievement As as it can be slightly more muddled as we as people work from home i'm fortunate enough to go into the studios at sky sports a couple of times a week and that for me is is easier in a sense than the days at home when when things are less clear and you have to take that conscious conscious effort to do so danny i really appreciate your time it's been really helpful i found it very thoughtful as i say i think approaching life like we do sport as a performance and and getting willing to receive coaching ideas and, and general concepts and specific concepts to us is, is really helpful. What, what can people do in terms of reaching out to you, finding more out about you? Do you create content for, for all? Can they reach out to you potentially to to inquire about becoming a client?
1: Yeah, indeed. I've, so I've got my Instagram account, which is something I've only just started to sort of do more proactively, putting myself out there, sort of coming out from behind the scenes if you like and sort of opening myself up to a wider population um, it's DannySanger.Official, which is my um, my Instagram. I think you called it a tag, um yeah. or something along those lines. <laughs> but also, I've got some exciting news in the sense that I've partnered up with the one and only Greg Wallace from BBC's ah, MasterChef. Also, awesome. He's got a platform which is showme.fit, which is like an online resource portal, real great sort of uh, resource centre for sort of great lifestyle choices with regards to food, um, yeah. meal plans, and exercises and what have you. And then on top of that. I'm offering a weekly half hour slot for all of Greg's members on showme.fit. So that's going to take place from Saturday, the 19th of December, and literally next week. Brilliant. And that's one way of sort of getting to sort of see what I'm about through those half hour sessions. If you, you know, that's the quickest way of sort of seeing what I'm about. And Otherwise you can access me directly via my website, dannysanga.com.
0: And that's brilliant. That's giving you empathy for the celebrities you work with, I suppose, putting yourself in that public eye. That's quite a, a good way of you, of you getting more understanding of them. hundred
1: percent. Yeah. A bit of a journey for me, the, the introvert that I am and uh, exposing myself uh,
0: to the public now. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's, a, that, that's great that you do, you do that. Do you have to reset and re-energize as an introvert? Because people are different, as you mentioned before, don't you, that, you know i think some of us i struggled in the past to be alone whereas i think introverted people like my wife actually struggled to be with people so that's an interesting dynamic at home
1: yeah yeah i mean it's important not just me or an introvert but everyone should reset um Mm. as i mentioned earlier on so whether you're an extrovert it's just just the activity that you perform when you're resetting which will differ an introvert will like their own space and want to sort of hide away and just have literally no one around them and whereas an extrovert might actually feed and re-energize from interactions with their friends and social circle or something along those lines yeah, so yeah it's just Have the a activity laugh. but yeah you, but you've still got to do the re-energizing and resetting regardless of whatever type of personality you are
0: yeah absolutely i think for me just laughing with friends and my wife found this as well actually when you have opportunities even on the zoom calls has has been sort of rejuvenating and 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 really kind of key actually and something that as you get older and get busier in life and you have kids that sometimes you forget about and just the joy of of making fun of each other and having a laugh is is really good but danny danny i really appreciate your time thank you very much and um we'll look forward to speaking again in the future look forward to it thank you so much for having me teddy Really appreciate Danny Sanger's time. And I guess we're all itching to know who his celebrity clients are and who he works with. The interesting the project is public facing or in the public sphere with Greg Wallace. So check out that one on Greg's YouTube channel and follow Danny Sanger online as he tries to become more public. I suppose it's always been a discreet occupation working with celebrities on confidence, alignment and clarity. Interesting to explore those concepts. I think just being clear minded and, and knowing where we're going and being conscious of what we're doing sometimes is the key, isn't it? Particularly in the 21st century 2020 when the smartphone as much as it facilitates and eases our way through life at times it can also complicate it and do feel like just the sort of rat in the cage at times don't you kind of going round and round doing the same things without necessarily feeling a sense of progression just busy just communicating and I think that's important and and viewing life as you know something to explore and to enjoy and to go into uncharted territory knowing you're not going to be great at something but having that general aura of confidence to try it as kids do Anyway, I hope you like that. Let me know. Danny Sangar, see what you think, think of him and, and follow him on social media and just the concepts and these types of podcasts. Ed Draper 81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper81 on Instagram. But you can also email me, hello at drapermedia.co.uk and the podcast is on iTunes and other platforms. So any uh, rating, reviews, greatly appreciate. I'll check those out and maybe bring them on the podcast and, and quote you as well. As long as it's not too harsh, as long as it's constructive. Uh, But thank you for listening. Thank you to the sponsors, been a big support to me this year. Bang Nolison of Cheltenham and Serene A V, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Thank you to Jason Briggs and his team, and thank you to Cytoplan for their offer of a discount to the podcast listeners. That code Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R 10, capital letter R as we look to Christmas and perhaps mingling with family members from other parts of the country or world that we haven't seen for a while. Great, isn't it? Whoopi, it's going to be good. That uh, sounded sarcastic, but I'm genuinely excited to see some family. And I think we'll also get obviously open to new infections, new bugs, not you know the, the spectre of the COVID-19 necessarily, although that is in our minds at the moment, isn't it? But just general coughs and colds. So I think optimising immunity is key. Check out Immune Complete Range from Cytoplanets, what I'm taking at the moment to try and sustain myself and stave off those coughs and colds. But I hope you're well. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great weekend. And I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Goodbye for now.